You are listening to the QSR Web Podcast. At the Restaurant Franchising and Innovation Summit, executives from leading brands will share their success stories of the numerous ways they have innovated to grow their franchises. Attendees will gain insight and inspiration to help them be more progressive in every facet of their businesses. Register today at FranchisingInnovation.com. Hello and welcome. So glad you're giving us a listen today. And we'll be talking very shortly to Auntie Anne's president, Heather Neary, to find out how that longtime snack-focused brand is taking advantage of the restaurant industry's increasingly snacky customers. So please stick around because she has lots of intriguing tidbits about the brand's path forward. But first, we have the editor here of QSR Web sister site, Kiosk Marketplace, Mr. Elliot Maris. He has been furiously covering the fallout across the kiosk and food service industry after the British newspaper Metro hired a scientist to do lab tests of samples taken from London area McDonald's kiosk screens to see what they found. As most in the restaurant industry are well aware, the newspaper reported finding a lot of potentially illness-inducing microorganisms on those kiosk screens, including some found in human feces. Elliot has been taking the pulse of kiosk suppliers and finding out what oversight, if any, exists for the ongoing safety and cleanliness of restaurant kiosk screens. And really, Elliot, your articles kind of left me with the impression that kiosk screen sanitation is kind of a no man's land as far as regulatory oversight to ensure they're clean and safe for customers to use. Can you tell us what you found? Well, I guess I guess that's a fair statement, Shelley. Uh, it's kind of a no man's land because there really hasn't been a, a problem to address. Uh, now, this this uh, study that was recently done uh, was the first study of, the, of that nature where they actually tested some screens and and, and got some bacteria. Uh, however, that that doesn't mean that, that a problem exists, and that's why there haven't been any specific protocols to address a problem that really hasn't existed. What that test found was that the potential for a problem does exist, as it does with any hard surface that humans touch. And now it's becoming, it's coming to light now because self-ordering kiosks are starting to become introduced to restaurants. Uh, it's, It's a relatively new development. McDonald's has certainly taken the lead on that. Therefore, it's natural that it's it's a new sort of a development. It's it's not unfortunate that someone actually t- took the trouble to take a look at what's on those touch screens. Uh, but what what that study found was that there is a risk. That doesn't mean that there's been a problem. Unfortunately, the the risk itself is something that can very easily be managed. Well, that's good to hear. Beyond that, it it also kind of sounds like many in and around the food service industry are viewing any of the concerns being expressed about kiosk cleanliness that have developed after that Metro report as being really nothing more than kind of alarmist, right? Well, I have to tell you, in my opinion, the way the headline was written in that report was a bit sensational. I, I would have to say that that is true, and that's unfortunate. 
And so when those of us in the trade press look into it further and start calling the people we know in the food service industry and in the kiosk industry, we, we call them and ask them what, what do they think. They don't, want to, they don't want in any way sound like they're not concerned about public safety because they absolutely are. So it, it was kind of a hard issue for them to talk about uh, in that way. I talked to one uh, longtime food safety attorney who uh, talked about it with me but didn't even want her name to be used because she didn't want to come across like didn't want to give anyone the impression that she wasn't concerned about food safety. Uh, so that's that's kind of the issue with a report like that. Um, now, the fact of the matter is restaurants can minimize the risk very simply by simply cleaning the surfaces of the touchscreen with disinfectant. There are some restaurants that are already doing that. I think after this report, we're going to see more do it. That's a good point. The more we talk about it, the more people are activated to do something and it but it all really kind of leaves the customer in the dark about what to do if they use these screens and then they eat you know do you come equipped with your can um antibiotic wipes or you know <laughs> i i don't know what you do well all right uh, let's let's talk about it from the perspective of the customer now i've been in in many uh, quick serve restaurants in recent years where I've been standing in line and I've seen everybody else in the restaurant standing in line is on their cell phone. <laughs> the fact is there have been numerous studies that show that the typical cell phone does uh, contain bacteria. And and, and those people, uh, they, when their order is ready, they close their phone and they pick up their order and they sit down and they eat without washing their hands. They should wash their hands. Yeah. It's, it's really as simple as that. This is this is no different. Yes, the, the risk is there, but from the consumer's perspective, it's just a matter of common sense, and that is you wash your hands before you eat. I'm wondering, I'm, I'm just wondering whether you talked to a lot of people and whether any of them had any advice for both consumers and restaurateurs who are actually wanting to nip this one in the bud, so to speak, and get a handle on the problem as best they can. Did they have any suggestions? For the consumer, as I've already said, the, the, the suggestion is simply to wash your hands. For, for the restaurant, it, it's simply a matter of making sure that there is a regular cleaning process taking place. And uh, there, there are many restaurants hire uh, cleaning specialists to clean their facilities on a regular basis. There are some guidelines out there that some companies are following when it comes to cleaning hard surfaces in restaurants that can contain bacteria. Now, it's just a matter now of making sure that if there's a self-order kiosk, that that kiosk is also going to be cleaned and the surface of the kiosk should be cleaned with a sanitizer of some sort. Uh, and as I said, some companies are doing this. There's a company that I interviewed, a company called Generation Next. While they're not a restaurant operator, they do market self-order kiosks that dispense ice cream and frozen yogurt. They have contracted a, a cleaning service to wipe the surfaces clean with with a citric acid every time, oh. and and that's you know that that's you no know, that's just one example of, of something somebody's already doing who's 
taking a look at this particular risk. But that's really all that they really have to be thinking about at this point. It's interesting. You kind of wonder whether, I know in hospitals, they have stations everywhere because it's such a problem for hospitals to have stations everywhere with little pump bottles of of sanitary uh, solution, or it's almost like it would be nice if a kiosk screen came with one of those (laughs) equipped (laughs) with it, just so people, you know, after I use the screen, I'll wipe up it's like we've gotten used to at the grocery store, but um, it'll be really interesting to watch where this one goes. I, it may may well rear its ugly head again, uh, as I'm sure you know, Elliot, but mm-hmm. I know you'll be on top of that, and I really appreciate the information you've shared with us today. It's very helpful. Oh, well, my, my pleasure, Shelley. Delightful to have you here. And we'll be back in a minute with Auntie Anne's president, Heather Neary, and maybe a soft pretzel or two. Many of the fastest growing and most successful chains in the restaurant industry are embracing innovation throughout their operations. These forward-thinking brands are constantly looking for the next innovation. New technologies, new menu items, new marketing tactics, new training programs, etc., that will propel them to even greater heights. Come and learn these innovations at the Restaurant Franchising and Innovation Summit. Register today at FranchisingInnovation.com. Okay, now that the food news is taken care of, let's get a little twisted. And by that, I mean let's turn to all things Twisted Dough related and some Focus Brands Auntie Anne's Chain. With us today is Auntie Anne's president, Heather Neary, who I automatically like because she has a background in business publishing. But also, Heather, you lead a really innovative and very on-trend brand, even though it's been around for many years now. I would think that Auntie Anne's is kind of having a moment right now, particularly because the fast food scene has started to revolve so much more heavily around snacks and that kind of fits into your niche can you tell us how annie Anne's is getting a bite of all that action through its brand positioning and even through options like your food trucks yeah shelly thanks for having me it's great to be joining you today i think auntie Anne's is uniquely positioned to take advantage of the snacking trend happening in our country because we do have a phenomenal product and we're able to deliver it where the people are. If you think about it, back in the 1990s, there were only a handful of snack options that were really available. And our stores were located in malls, which also only had a few locations for snacks. So today in the venues where we operate, shopping malls, outlet centers, airports, customers have dozens of food brands to choose over. And we're always fighting for their, for their share of stomach. But at the end of the day for us, We focus on thriving in the environments in which we operate by focusing on our threefold philosophy, and that is serving a fresh, hot, golden brown pretzel in a sparkling, clean store with friendly, courteous customer service. We also focus on making sure that we have products that offer, that resonate with today's consumers. You know, our guests are on the go. They're busy traveling. They're busy running from meeting to meeting. And they're often with family and friends when they're in the venues where we operate. So we like to offer products like pretzel nuggets that are portable, convenient, and shareable. 
We also know that customers love freshness. The idea of fresh, wholesome product is really important to our guests. And all of our pretzels are made with simple, easy to pronounce ingredients and rolled, twisted, and baked right in front of our guests all day, every day. You really can't get fresher than right out of the oven. Uh, and our original pretzel, it's the one that we start, it started it all back in 1988. While that remains one of our really popular pretzel products, we also know our guests love things that are innovative, fun, and most importantly, Instagrammable. We, we accomplish that by deploying a steady stream of LTOs, like our recent candy lemonade mixers featuring Swedish fish and Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> and also, we just rolled out our 30th birthday birthday cake pretzel nuggets. And items like this really help us to stay relevant and differentiate us in a really competitive space. Because after 30 years, it's really important that we continue to innovate and remain top of mind for all of our guests. And we just want to make sure that we are where the Annie Ann's pretzels are where the people are. <laughs> I, I'm I'm just salivating right now because I want one so bad. Oh, um, we should get one to you. <laughs> You've also got a big international presence and I'm wondering if you can tell us how the brand or its menu really changes to fit the needs of different cultures and food preferences around the globe. Well, international, we've actually been internationally since 1995. So we have, we've been long, long positioned ourselves internationally. At the end of the day, a dough product is very popular no matter where you're from or what you, what your culture is like. So we really continue to sell our basic pretzels and our, um, our standard menu internationally. And then we also customize it based on the needs of, of the flavor profiles of the individuals that we're serving in various countries. We have you know, our biggest presence now is, I believe, South Korea. We have some unique flavors there that are unique to South Korea. We also have a significant presence in Thailand. We opened in China this year. We do a lot of work internationally. And quite frankly, the international marketing team and the domestic marketing team often work hand in hand and share trends and consumer insights that are relevant to both international audiences as well as our domestic audiences. I was wondering about that because, you know, Cultural cuisines are so hot now, particularly in the U.S. Do they kind of share, share and trade off ideas? Yeah, and back and forth we do, and where it makes sense, we obviously want to make sure that we're being appropriate for the different cultures where we operate. But we don't necessarily um, duplicate every single thing domestically that we do internationally. But we do a lot of things, um, and there's a lot of you know a lot of mirrored flavor profiles. Like the idea of stuffed pretzels, we do a, a cream cheese pretzel internationally, and we're playing with that domestically. Nutella is a really popular flavor, whether you're in the U.S. or abroad, and Nutella is a flavor that we're playing with domestically as well. So there's a lot of sharing of ideas that go back and forth. And at the end of the day, consumers just really want a great-tasting product, and that's what we're delivering through our pretzels, no matter where you are on the globe. You're also in the grocery case. I wonder if you can share how Antian's off-premise channels are helping build the brand's name kind of with a with an ever wider array of audiences. Sure. So for us, a lot of it's about points of access. You know, we really have grown up in the mall space. And back in 1989, when Anne opened her first location in a mall, she never intended for malls to be our primary point of distribution. We've been very fortunate in that space, but now it's time for us to move on. And much like the rest of the restaurant industry, off-premise is definitely a buzzword for us. And so while we rely on foot traffic to drive sales at our stores, 
We also recognize that our locations are sometimes limiting in terms of how people can get to us. So for us, we address that by bringing pretzels to the people. Last year, we launched a national catering program run through our stores that allow our guests to enjoy our pretzels at any occasion they want, from office meetings to weddings to baby showers to birthday parties to just simply a snack in the middle of the afternoon that you and your colleagues share because you're hungry for a pretzel. We have a lot of stores doing third-party delivery with Grubhub and DoorDash and Uber Eats. And we've also embraced the food truck craze by rolling out pretzel trucks that give our guests an opportunity to enjoy our fresh, hot, golden brown pretzels outside of the traditional environment. So guests can find Auntie Anne's food trucks at parks, at fairs, college campuses, stadiums, really anywhere where there's a lot of traffic, a lot of people. We have about two dozen of those right now out in the country, and our goal is to double that figure by the end of next year. Our, our pretzel trucks are right now located in Atlanta, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Nashville, Houston, Charlotte, Milwaukee, Seattle, Los Angeles, among many other locations around the country. And I guess that's also a good social media uh, channel for you to kind of keep people abreast in different cities of where you are exactly on that specific day. Absolutely. So our hashtag, I found the pretzel truck, is a great way for guests to keep track of us around the country. And it's also a great way for us to in interact with our guests in a way that's unique to the Auntie Anne's brand. And that's been a really meaningful, um, meaningful initiative for us. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, I was kind of speculating as we were talking, if it was supposed to be Auntie Anne's, Auntie Anne's, Auntie Anne's. <laughs> That's a million-dollar question. <laughs> Do you have people uh, come come up and, and say they want an Auntie Anne's pretzel? Yes, and you know what, Shelly? We love all of our guests, no matter how they pronounce it. But Anne is a real person, so her, her name is Anne, and it's A-N-N-E. -N -N -E. And the name was actually chosen to be Auntie Anne's because Anne is one of eight children, and when she started the company 30 years ago, she had lots and lots and lots of nieces and nephews that all called her Auntie Anne. Hence, the name of the company is Auntie Anne's. <laughs> How confusing for her now. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you so much, Heather, for dropping in and sharing some news about this really long-lasting brand with us. See, you're keeping yourself fresh. We certainly appreciate it and wish you continued success. Thank you. That's all for today's show, and actually all for us until the new year, when we hope to have you back here for the premiere show of 2019 on Friday, January 4th. That's when Schlotsky's Austin Eatery president, Kelly Roddy, will be in the house to talk about that 1970s-born brand's transformation to its modern-day self. Until then, we hope you have great holidays, whatever you celebrate, and a safe but exciting New Year's celebration, too. See you all in 2019.